It's something for nothing, the Rush Fancast. Welcome back to all our loyal listeners, and welcome back to Jerry. Hey, yes. Jerry. I'm I'm not a loyal listener. I'm a, yes, you a loyal are. co-host. Yes, you are. You listen to the podcast, too, don't you? I, I listen to it post-editing to see if it's got to you know, double check, issues. To yeah. double-check my work, yeah. which, which you need to. Well, I, everybody needs someone to double-check their work. That is true. No and matter I, how good you are. And I, I make many mistakes. Oh, you make very, very few mistakes. Well, thank you. Yeah, very few. Don't worry about it. So I want to remind everybody to uh, follow us on the social medias. On socials. Twitter, the socials. We are at Rush Fancast on Twitter, the Rushcast on Instagram. Email Jerry, the Rushcast at gmail.com. And our podcast is available everywhere. Anywhere you get podcasts. Everywhere. And if you're listening, you already figured that out. Right. So we don't have to tell you where. Just make sure you rate us on your favorite podcast app. We appreciate that. Yeah. And I wanted to say... Some people have asked me how they can support the Rush Fancast, and how they can is by telling a friend. Oh, I thought you were going to say thoughts and prayers. No, thoughts and prayers, no. <laughs> if you have a friend that's a Rush fan, say, hey, check out this cool podcast. Right. These two guys talk about Rush. Yes. And it's great. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be a nice thing to do. And if you have enemies that you like in, in some ways, right? Or enemies that you don't like. We'll take well, yeah, any, you wouldn't we'll, like your enemies, would we'll, you? We'll take any listeners, really. Right. Just Let's, tell everybody. Be like, uh, be like the guy in the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Stop one in three and tell about the Yeah, just podcast. pull people over on the yeah. street and say, hey, did you hear about the Rush Vancast? I should do that. You should do that. See how that goes. Yeah, drop it into conversation all day long. So I have a Twitter poll for you, Jer. Okay. We have 650 followers on Twitter as of this recording. That's great. That's great. I know. We're it's, nearing 200 on... Um, the Instagram as well. And one of our Twitter followers pointed out to me Uh-oh. that on the first podcast, we mentioned how many Twitter followers we had. Do you remember how many we had? A hundred? Ten. Ten? Ten. But we recorded the first podcast before any of them were released, clearly. Oh. Well, we ten's had, good then. Ten's pretty good for not even having a <laughs> podcast. It's pretty good. But now we have 650 and we thank each and every one of you for listening, right. look, following look. us, and enjoying the podcast. We enjoy bringing it to you. Right, look for your uh, thank you note in the mail. There you go. So the Twitter poll for today, uh, this is Vapor Trails. We're still doing Vapor Trails. Yeah, that was Twitter a long polls. one, right? It was a long one. The final five songs on Vapor Trails, Jer, are Earthshine, Sweet Miracle, Nocturne, Freeze, and Out of the Cradle. What hmm. say you? I'm going to say Out of the Cradle. No. Out of the Cradle, only 11%. I've gotten every one wrong for try, this album. Try again. I don't know. Just give me the answers. <laughs> 69% Earthshine. Oh, I wasn't going to say that either. So. Okay. How about that? That is great, though. It's a great song. So mob rules, you know. So the Rush fans have spoken. Earthshine, 69%. Sweet Miracle, 14 Nocturne, 5%. And uh, Freeze, which I didn't give as a choice. Right. Because I had to omit one. They, mm-hmm. they only give you four. Got a couple of votes, but probably would have got a few more if I had made it a choice. Yeah, sure. I just guessed that Freeze would, would not win and probably wouldn't. Yeah. Have. I mean, Earthshine blew everything out of the water. That's interesting. Yeah. So what we haven't mentioned yet on today's podcast is what album we're going to be talking about. That's right. What album are you? <laughs> <laughs> did I, I hope I prepared for the right one. <laughs> did I even tell you? It's Presto. Presto. Yes. Exciting. Uh, there was a comment on Instagram where... Someone just said, do Presto next. This was like two weeks ago. 
And is, is that why we're doing it? No. I just <laughs> I, I I I replied. I said we're doing Presto next. Great. So people love Presto, and I love Presto. I love Presto too. Now we mentioned on our first podcast, sixteen podcasts ago, or whatever Ooh. it was. Now it's more like eighteen or nineteen. Now this might be podcast nineteen. Yeah. 16, 17. Yeah, this will be number 19. Wow. Lucky 19. So on the first podcast, we mentioned that we became diehard Rush fans in 1986. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of months later, Hold Your Fire came out. Mm-hmm. So that album came out right away. Now, Presto is the next album yes. that came out two years later. And this was the first Rush album we had to wait for. That's to, right. Yeah, We had to wait two years yeah. for the next Rush album. That's the longest We'd waited for a Rush album as Rush fans. Right. As real Rush fans. Right. And it was a long wait. Yeah. I at mean, the we, time. We had only been Rush fans for three years at that point. Right. <laughs> but when this came out, I was blown away. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah, of course. It was, yeah. yeah. It was just great. I mean, the first real long wait for Rush music, and it was just outstanding. Yeah, not a disappointment at all. No, no. So, uh, Presto is Rush's 13th studio album. was released November 21st, 1989. Mm. And do you know where it was recorded, Jer? Should I? Like You should. I should. You talked about maybe going there just earlier today. Oh, Le Studio? Le Studio in Marin Heights, Quebec. Yeah. We were talking about going to check that place out. It's in repair at this point. Yes, being refurbished. So it's the first album released internationally by Atlantic Records. Their Mercury Records. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their Atlantic. Mercury Records uh, deal had expired, so they... Uh, Jumped to Atlantic. So what do you think the theme is of Presto before we get into oh, boy. the songs themselves? The I have an idea. I'm okay, just why don't you go you, and let's see what I think. I think the theme is illusion. Yeah. I Yeah, how people deceive themselves. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, I, I agree with that for the most or part. Or illusion in different, in different forms. Yeah. Not every song, but quite a few of them. Yeah. And you know, presto has a, a different meaning, a musical meaning. Does it? Yeah. It, it uh, means to like speed up. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So uh, I have it written down. It's a musical term that means at a rapid tempo or suddenly as if by magic. Oh, okay. So I think the, you know, magician's term presto was borrowed from the musical term. Okay. So- I don't know if that has anything to do with the theme of the album other than it's both something that a hack magician says and it's also a musical term there may not be a theme no, I, I, I think you're right there's a there's a, a theme looser in some places tighter in others right okay so why don't we jump into the first song on presto while we're at it jerry sure show don't tell So, Jared, the guitars are back on this song. Yeah, totally. That's the thing that jumps out at me. I mean, after listening to Hold Your Fire, this song just screams, we've got guitars, baby. Yeah, we found our guitars. There we go. We dusted them off. And I'm sure Alex was thrilled with that. Yeah, I mean, they're still not as meaty as they were or as they will become, but they're they're back. For sure. Mm-hmm. The theme of this song, Jared, what, what do you think it is? Need to see it to believe it sort of thing? Yep. Okay. Second song. <laughs> 
<laughs> that about covers it. No, it's uh, yeah, it's about knowing all the facts before you make up your mind or trying to convince somebody. I guess it's really trying to convince someone, and that person is saying, "Show me, don't tell me, don't tell me what you think. Show me the evidence for why you think it." Now, is Neil saying, "Don't believe everything you hear from well, someone"? He does other, other than a few close friends, right? Yeah, he, he says, says that. Yeah, so you take it on faith the people that you know and already trust but you should question where it comes from in other places so neil trusts getty and alex and everybody else yeah you got to show me baby Yeah, you got to show me baby yeah i mean it's just about being skeptical i think which i think is a good thing oh sometimes. definitely a good thing and one thing about the the title show don't tell is also um advice you get when you're writing when you go to writing classes like one of the first things they do is tell you show don't tell give examples of what you're talking about basically. right D don't have a character come out and say oh Boo-hoo, I'm so sad. Come out and you know, describe them or just, you know, describe how they're going about their day and how they're interacting with other people to get a feel for what they're going through as opposed to just going, I'm sad. But it's also terrible advice because if you did that, every book would be Finnegan's Wake. You know, It'd be a thousand pages long. There's, there are many, many times where you have to just tell what's going on. Right. Stuff that isn't important. But you the, can't do that all the time. Can't though. do it all the time, but you can't not do it all the time either, if that makes any sense. Okay. So th That's this it. song was probably one of the most successful Rush songs of the 80s. It reached number one what? on the mainstream rock chart. It did? It did. That's insane. Isn't that great? I mean, it's great. I didn't, <laughs> I mean, that is, uh, I say it's the same because I'd never, is this the only song that hit number one? Uh, I, I don't Somebody know. Somebody knows. I don't know that. I don't know for sure, but I know it did. I never even think but about the charts. Yeah, but it's just, you know, mainstream rock. It's not like the pop charts or anything. Yeah, you know? but still. Yeah. You know, album rock, I guess. AOR. Right. <laughs> album oriented rock. <laughs> I'm just surprised. I, I never think of Rush as a, a in terms of where they charted, so I'm very surprised. And I'm sure one. they they don't uh, look at themselves in terms of where they charted either. Right. We have that in common again. Yeah. We have so much in common with Rush, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. And do you know that Missouri, Jerry, is the show me state? I didn't. Yeah. What's that the... is the nickname of Missouri. So Missourians, if that's what you call them, sure. might relate to this song. What's the don't tell me state? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, uh, what's next to Missouri? Kansas? Sure. Show you me, know, you know geography. <laughs> so another thing I wanted to point out in this song, and this happens throughout this album, is we get a little bit of spoken word in there. Yeah. The jury direction. Yeah. Is that is that Neil? I, I, I don't find, know. Who I never that did is. find out who it is. It doesn't sound like Getty though. Well, it has some kind of effect on it, so you, you really wouldn't know. But they do that in a couple of these songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it makes me think that they were in the studio and they found some effects box <laughs> they were messing around with, and like hey, we should put this on a song. It's just a strange thing to to throw in. Yeah, and well, on the next album, Roll the Bones, they they threw it in big time. They sure did. We could talk about that. We sure will. When we talk about Roll the Bones. Right. Anything else on Show Don't Tell before we oh, move yeah. on? Oh, yeah. I mean, so. there's there's so much to break down, right? Okay. Um, even the first, you know, how many times do you hear it? Goes on all day long. Everyone knows everything and no one's ever wrong. Like you. <sighs> Until later. Yeah. I, I was going to, I couldn't <laughs> think of any comeback at all for that. But that's just, it starts off the song with, you know, the blowhards and know-it-alls. Basically. Right. Yeah, just I'm the, just kidding. You're not a blowhard. Jeff. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Know it all, maybe. Know it all. That's only because I do. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. So, you know, he said, but then he says, again, again, classic Neil, right? He throws a little twist at the end, until later. 
And that's in italics on the... It is in italics, right. Until later, it makes it seem like, you know, you'll only admit when you're wrong after the fact. Like, people are so afraid to admit that they don't know what they're talking about. One of the hardest things for people to admit when you're in conversation with someone is just like, I don't know. If you're in, uh, like, especially a political argument, you just keep on plugging away at your... Never give in. Never giving in. Never giving an inch. Instead of saying, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Instead of just getting angrier and angrier and keep on talking. People want to believe they're right or want other people to believe they're right. Right. Yes. People want other people to believe they're right. So one of the best things you can do, I think, is to just every once in a while, if you don't know something, don't pretend like you know it. That's what we do all the time on this podcast. That's right. If we don't know something, we just say we don't know. Right. And someone will tell us. Yeah. Get that all the time. Yeah. And then the next verse, who can you believe? It's hard to play it safe. But apart from a few good friends, we don't take anything on faith we talked about before mm-hmm. but you know the part of that that might not be as positive as you think it could be an example of you know like living in an echo chamber or experiencing confirmation bias where you only listen to the opinions that strengthen your own opinion right so probably with the with the theme of the song that's not exactly what's happening what about the next verse you can twist perceptions reality won't budge you can raise objections I will be the judge and the jury. Yeah, that that sounds threatening, doesn't it? Yeah. And the jury. And the jury. You know, one of the things I was thinking of, I've always thought of this when I was listening to this song because it's so interesting. Reality won't budge. And I'm not sure. That just means the truth is the truth. Right. You can't, you know, you can't fake it. You can fake it, but it's still the truth at the end. But we can go back to one of the first podcasts that we did and talk about the difference between capital T and lower T. Truth. Truth. Right. And reality, let's not even start on what reality is. (laughs) Right. So, but it's interesting because there are certain groups of people, well, judges, one would assume, certain people who are considered to be impartial, right? Yeah. Even though they may not be. Judges, obviously, are, are famous for being impartial. But are they? But are they? They have their own biases. Well, of course. I mean, you obviously, you like know. Like the Supreme Court. Like the Supreme Court. If you were, um, you know, the interpretation of law, it comes down to what you think of it, not right. what it is. Even even the staunchest originalists like uh, Scalia, he, he always just like, oh, I'm just reading what it says. I'm just going by the text. It's well, not, if, if judges were unbiased, there wouldn't be such furor over who gets appointed to the Supreme Court. Right. They would all be just... And there wouldn't be any Down dissent. Right. It would be 9-0 every time. Should be. So that's what the, that's basically what the song is, right? Yeah. Neil is, Neil is saying that he doesn't want your opinion. He wants your facts. And then he'll make up his mind based on that, which is great um, if you can actually get facts. Yeah, definitely. So the facts are, we're moving on to track two, Jared. <laughs> wow, that was a, that was a good, good segue. Yeah, I'm trying great. to come up with some good segues. Chain lightning.
Well, this is one of my favorite tracks on Presto, Jer. Thoughts for you? Oh, yeah, I love it too. Um, it's, it's funny because when this album came out, I was in college and I was taking a meteorology class mm-hmm. and we talked about chain lightning. Really? And sun dogs yeah. in class. It was after this album came out. And you knew all about and it. And I was like, well, I didn't know all about it. I knew it from the song. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my God. Neil is so Neil cool. Neil is so smart. <laughs> He's the coolest, man. Because I had never heard of either of those things, chain lightning or sun, especially not sun dogs. I didn't know what they were until I, I looked it up researching this podcast. Yeah. I had no idea. It's pretty cool. I don't think I've ever seen a sun dog. No. Two points of light that appear at sunset. Yeah. The light is refracted through something suspended in the atmosphere, um, ice particles or whatever, and it looks like two little suns on either side of the sun. Huh. I think they're called sun dogs because they look like they're chasing the sun. Do you think you'd know what it was if you saw it? I mean, I don't know. I've never seen it. I don't know if it happens at only at certain latitudes or at certain times of the year. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've seen pictures of it. Pretty cool looking. So he talks about witnessing a meteor shower, I guess, in the song. And reflected in another pair of eyes, I believe, is Neil's way of saying it's a better experience if you're sharing it with someone. Am I correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because this song, to me, is about how energy moves from one state to another through different mediums mediums media media and according to the law of the conservation of energy which i'm sure you're all up on that's the thing that says that energy cannot be created nor destroyed it can only be transformed into another form of energy okay so through this song you know we've got the lightning we've got infectious laughter we've got excitement um we've got stirring winds by planets in rotation sparks igniting uh, respond, vibrate, feedback, resonate, all aspects of different types of energy. Right. And I think it all funnels down into that, that part when he's watching the meteorite shower with someone. And mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I always assumed it was his daughter. Yeah, I think, I think it was. Yeah. Do you know that for a fact? Like, I, th- I think I read that somewhere. I'd have to check. And so, you know, the energy of the things around them you know, the, the meteors and the stars and the wind and everything, they turn into a certain energy within his daughter. That's what that's the, the deep feeling that I get from this song, which I love. All right, so here, here's a quote from Neil. This okay. is from the Rush Profiled CD, which I actually used to own. I don't know what happened to it. Hmm. Sun Dogs just has a great sound to it. It does. And in that same weather forecast, he was talking about a weather forecast earlier in the quote, the weatherman announced a meteor shower that night. So my daughter and I went oh. out to the lake in the middle of the night and watched this meteor shower. So the whole idea of the song was response and how people respond to things. And it's the thing that I've found a lot in traveling and around the world too. It's not just to travel to see things. You have to respond to them. You have to feel them. And a lot of the thrust of that song is how things are transferred, like chain lightning oh. or enthusiasm or energy or love are things that are contagious. And if someone feels them, they're easily transferable to another person. Yeah. Just like the energy is transferable. Yeah. Yeah. It goes from electricity into excitement. Yeah. Very sciencey. Yeah. A very sciencey way to describe a, a very intimate moment with his daughter. Yeah. I think. It's a typical Neil way. Oh, I absolutely. Think. Yeah. Could throw yeah. a little science in there. And um backwards guitar solo, Jer. Did oh, you really? know that the guitar solo was recorded and then played backwards? I did not know that. 
Well, it, it was. Sound, it sound, I just thought it was some kind of wah-wah pedal or something. Yeah. That's great. It's backwards guitar solo. That must which be is, hard to do. Which is probably why they never played this live. Because I don't know how Alex <laughs> can do a backwards guitar solo live. Right. It's too uh, bad. Yeah. They, this is one of those songs that would have been great to see yeah, live. Yeah, it would have been great. Wow, that must be hard to do, right? I would you think. You've got to keep the solo in tune I from guess. back to front and Maybe. then play it forwards. Is that how, how would you? I don't know. You play it forwards and then it has to play backwards. So you have to really plan the solo from the end to the beginning. Yeah, I would and imagine play from, a lot of trial and error would have to have been yeah. involved there. That's great. But maybe, uh, you know, Alex was just ready to bite into that apple, though, after the previous two albums. Yeah, let's just do some crazy stuff. Let's just stuff. do some crazy guitar stuff. Yeah, why not? So why don't we move on to track three, Jer, of Presto. What do you say? The Pass. The Pass. I would say this is probably one of the more well-known songs on Presto. Yeah, it was definitely a, a crowd favorite. Tell you and they that. Pl- well, it's a band favorite, I think. Oh, okay. And a crowd favorite. And they played it not only quite a bit on this tour, the Presto tour, but in subsequent tours. Yeah, it's a great song to play live. I would say this has got to be probably the best song on the album, don't you think? What would you say? Oh, that's a hard one. It's tough. There, there are a few that I really love. I yeah, I would, I would probably go with Hand Over Fist. See, that's that's. I know that's your favorite. Yeah, song. I love that song. If, listening to it again, I'm just re- oh, Anagram from Mongo. I'm sorry, that one too. What about Available Light? That one too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when we get to Anagram from Mongo, but yeah, the pass. It's a great song, regardless it is a great of whether song. it's the best on the album or not. Maybe it's the best on the first side. How about that? Okay, I'll buy that. We'll go for that. And it's about teen suicide, I guess, or teen teenage isolation leading, yeah. leading to suicide, perhaps? Yeah, I believe so. I have a kind of a, a problem with the focus of the song, though. Really? Yeah. In what way? Well, the, the lyrics kind of push all of the decisions of wanting to commit suicide onto the person who might commit suicide, like they have a moral failing or there's something that they didn't do or are not doing correctly or they gave up. I just think now, I think our idea of mental illness has has evolved a little bit and we don't really think like that anymore. So what, what part of the lyrics are you talking about? Someone said a bad example made surrender seem all right? Yeah. That line specifically? Specifically, yeah. There are others too. Yeah, and now you're trembling on a rocky ledge, staring down into a heartless sea, can't face life on the razor's edge, nothing's what you thought it would be. All of us get lost in the darkness, dreamers learn to steer by the stars, all of us do time in the gutter, dreamers turn to look at the cars. You know, he's saying that, yeah, everybody gets depressed. That's what I'm taking from it. I could, again, be reading way too... So you're t- you, you think it's a criticism of people that choose suicide? No, I don't. I think at the time, prevailing attitudes toward mental illness were 
like that. We're critical. We're a little more critical. It's obviously a sympathetic song and it's supposed to make you think about the things that might cause someone to commit suicide. But I think now we think of mental illness in a different way and this song now misses the point. Okay. A little bit. All right. Well, I, I never disagree. thought of it that. I disagree a little bit. Yeah. Well, I could read. So do you know um, David Foster Wallace? I do not. He was a writer. He wrote this book called Infinite Jest. It's a very hard book to read. Okay. So that's why. That's why I didn't read it. That's why he's known as a genius, I suppose. <laughs> it was really, it was like a thousand pages. Or something and you like read that. the whole book? I did not. I read like one third of it and it was, and I was like, this is a great book. Like I felt like I had finished the book. But there was so much more. There were footnotes in this book. There were oof, I bet appendices. Neil, I bet Neil wrote the book. I read the <laughs> he book. He definitely read the book. Well, unfortunately, he committed suicide himself, David Foster Wallace. Okay. And he had been depressed for a very, very, very long time. And he wrote this, or this was in an, an interview. It's a little long, but I think it gets to my point. He says, the so-called psychotically depressed person who kills herself doesn't do so out of a, quote, hopelessness or any abstract conviction that life's assets and debits do not square, and surely not because death seems suddenly appealing. The person in whom its invisible agony reaches a certain unendurable level will kill herself the same way a trapped person will eventually jump from the window of a burning high-rise. Make no mistake about people who leap from burning buildings. Their terror of falling from a great height is still just as great as it would be for you or me standing speculatively at the same window just checking out the view i.e. the fear of falling remains constant the variable here is the other terror the fire's flames when the flames get close enough falling to death becomes the slightly less terrible of two terrors it's not desiring the fall it's the terror of the flames and yet nobody down on the sidewalk looking up yelling don't and hang on can understand the jump not really you'd have to have personally been trapped and felt the flames to really understand the terror way beyond falling. I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. Really is, because unless you're in that situation that the person's in, you don't know how scary that other part, the flames, is. Right, the depression. Right. I mean, you and I, luckily, don't have that sort of depression. We don't yeah. know what that feels like, but clearly, death seems like a better, better choice than to live with that terrible depression these people have. Yeah. I mean, just think of, uh, I don't know, and you don't think like, this song has that... It doesn't have that empathetic quality okay. for me. Okay. Now. Right. At the time, I, I probably didn't think about it, but over time, right. I think, you know, like I said, attitudes have just changed. I mean, and, you know, all of us through time in the gutter, dreamers turn to look at the cars. Right. I mean, being depressed because, you know, you lost your job or, you know, you lost playing poker or something like that, or, you know... Right. It is not the same kind of depression that people who are clinically depressed have. Right. It's not the same kind of thing. At the end, obviously, the person kills himself. Yeah. Christ, what have you done? Yeah. And in the video, if you recall the video, that's what happens at the end of the video. Yeah, definitely. First time and only time Christ has been mentioned in a rush. <laughs> that's true. There is, I mean, at the end of the, you know, at the end of uh, the chorus, he says, don't turn your back and slam the door on me, which is a, a good way to say, you know, I want to help you. You know what I mean? Like, don't turn around and slam the door. I, I want to be here to help you. Right. But it would also be nice to, you know, kind of go after them. Stick your foot in the door, man. Stick your foot in that door. Right. So. Wow. All right. Well, you, uh, you've depressed me, Jar. Have I? Well, yeah, how about this little, uh, this little tidbit? Okay. The song that is interesting, at least, right? 
So the uh, all of us get lost in the darkness. Dreamers turn to steer by the stars. All of us time in the gutter. Dreamers turn to look at the cars. That's an Oscar Wilde quote. Really? Sort of. Yeah. That's He's, the second time we've mentioned Oscar Wilde yeah. in this podcast. In one yeah. of his plays, one of his characters says, we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. So Neil was an Oscar Wilde fan, we're discovering. Yeah. Musically, I think this is great. The great oh, song. Yeah. I, I love, I love the, like the crescendo at the end. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah it it's really is a, a beautiful song. And I don't mean to trash. I'm not trashing on it at all. I don't think I am. People might think I am, but I don't think I'm trashing on it at all. No, I didn't take it that way. I'm just way. offering a, a, an, you just think a, that a 20 it, years removed perspective. So you think that if Neil wrote the lyrics today, they'd be a little different? I think so. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, the bass chords in this song are just great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I love how it starts off, the bass starts off so simple. Yeah. You know, and it has a somber tone mm -hmm. to it. It really, and the guitar solo at the end, just the way the guitar rises, it really is a great song. Well, uh, similar to Vapor Trails and all the songs on Vapor Trails were depressing like this, Getty and Alex really had to step it up to make the music fit the lyrics for this one. Yeah. And I think they did. Did you read if it was based on, you know, a loosely based on an on a actual person he knew? Well, here's a quote from Neil. I didn't want the classic thing of, oh, life's not so bad, you know, it's worth living and all that. I didn't want one of those pat kind of cliched patronizing statements so I really worked hard to find true stories. And among the people that I write to are people who are going to universities, to MIT, and collecting stories from them about people they had known, what they had felt, and why the people had taken this desperate step, and all of that, and trying really hard to understand something that fundamentally to me is totally ununderstandable. I just can't relate to it all, but I wanted to write about it. Hmm. Okay. And the facet that I most wanted to write about was to demythologize it. The same as with, with Manhattan Project. It demythologized the nuclear age. And it's the same thing with this facet, taking the nobility out of it and saying that, yes, it's sad, it's a horrible, tragic thing. Someone takes their own life, but let's not pretend it's a hero's end. It's not a triumph. Well, that's, I think that's maybe where he made a mistake. I don't think that anybody thinks it's a hero's end. There's kind of like, a, especially with teen suicide, there's kind of this idea that it's like, well, it's, uh, you know people will remember me when I'm gone kind of thing where it's supposed to be so, so macho or whatever to, to end your own life. But I don't think that's really the case, right? It, it isn't heroic. Right. So I agree. Yeah. So like you said, I mean, again, this quote's probably from 20, 30 years ago too. So, yeah. so maybe Neil would feel differently now. Probably does. Yeah. I think he probably does. All right. Track four, Jer. Presto is war paint. Now, this, I think, fits into my theory on the illusion theme, don't you think? Yeah, well, I think all the songs so far do. You, yeah. can, you can read them that way. I mean, way. If, if the past, you know what I mean? The song is pointing toward uh, you know, the fiction that life isn't worth living. 
or something like that. Right. I mean, this song has illusion in the lyrics, so. Oh yeah, this one is definitely. I'm curious to see what you think of what I'm going to offer as part of the song. Okay, go ahead. I think, do you think the song is, is like a, like a little narrative between two people? What do you, what do you get from this relationship of the boy and the girl? I don't think it's a narrative between two people. I think they're two separate people preparing to go out for the night or whatever it is. And the first part is about the woman and the second part is about the man. Now, are they men or are they, and women or are they boys and girls? Girl before the mirror, boy before the mirror. Right. But is that because even as grownups, we sometimes think, you know, shallowly like children and we even as we're growing up oh you're saying they're children i'm not saying they're children i i think one's a female one's a male yeah grown-ups right but he says boy and girl to reinforce the fact that even though they're grown up they still act like children when it comes to painting their face and having to steal themselves for them whatever's to come but i don't think they're necessarily meeting each other i guess they could here's okay stay with me on this one okay right girl before the mirror appraises her disguise, which is great, right? She's literally trying to... She's putting on makeup. Yeah, she, but she's literally try, also trying to, you know, be someone she isn't. Right, so the it's not necessarily makeup, it's who she's pretending to be. Right. Okay. Whether that person is confident or uh, accomplished, whatever it is. But then the next line, child becomes a mother. Now, I always thought that this might be a young girl who is pregnant, See, I just interpreted that as, you know, the girl maybe is 17, and when she puts on all this makeup and this persona, she seems like she's 35, looks Hmm. wise. She's trying to put on the persona that she's older than she is when she goes out to a club or whatever it is. Hmm. That's my interpretation. I could be completely wrong. I've always thought of it, she might be pregnant, because then it tries to fix her eyes, which uh, could indicate that she's crying. Maybe. Maybe. And then the next line, no more of his excuses. It has to be today. She can keep her fantasy if she can get away. I think the he she's talking about is it's the whoever boy. whoever she's meeting. I think it's the boy. The, the, same bo- the same boy that's in the song later. Okay. Yeah. Could be. It could be. I could, once again, just... It could just be a different boy she's meeting, though. Could Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I guess it could be anybody. But, you know, she has to get away from whatever is going on in her life. That's right. why I think it's, it's probably a, a young girl as opposed to an adult. I would say probably a teenager more than a yeah yeah that's super what I mean young girl yeah that's what I mean teenager okay yeah yeah I'm an old man so I use old man words that's true young young lady <laughs> hey young lady <laughs> um, and then paint her name on a one way street painted cheeks with angry heat wounded pride on painted eyes paint the night with battle cries I like the one way street part right what do you think that refers to I think it refers to well, the one-way street, you can only go uh, one way, obviously, right. but everybody has to go that way. So uh, I think as you're being pushed into the role that everyone else is also in, she has to try and stand out a little bit. So painting. she has to conform. She has to conform, but she also wants to stand out because she wants to paint her name on the one-way street. She that wants everyone pe- else is traveling on. Yeah, she wants people to know who she is Okay, on the street, which may be at odds with the pregnancy thing. I'm not... I'm not buying the pregnancy thing, Jar. Sorry. Okay. You could be right. But I like I'd... to find threads. Okay. But what do you think of the line, to the beautiful and the wise, the mirror always lies? I think it's people that believe they're beautiful or powerful, as it says later, and smart, wise. The mirror tells the story. They're not, they're not really as beautiful and wise as they think they are. Yeah. That's my interpretation. Right. You think? I think so. And that's why the characters would have to 
do all of this stuff in front of the mirror to try to even convince themselves right. that they are what they think they are. That makes any sense. So when you uh, primped yourself up for this podcast, when, Jared, did you do that? Yeah, when I was taking out the, the, the rollers and the curlers <laughs> in my hair and putting on my foundation, it's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, boy. What about the last line, Jared? Let's paint the mirror black. Paint yeah. Paint it black. Paint it black. Don't use the mirror, man. Yeah. Just get out there. Be also, yourself. I'm assuming a, a Rolling Stones nod. Yeah. Well, interestingly, while I was waiting for you to come here for the podcast, I was looking at old Rush set list. Do you know they played <gasps> Paint It Black once? When? 2003 at some festival in Toronto, they played Paint It Black, instrumental. And I was looking at the set list, and you know, on, on, set, on the set list wiki, they have a little arrow you can click on to yeah. see the song. And there it was. No. I watched I watched the whole thing. It was great. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so check it out. Google it. And you know that uh, Paint It Black has a comma in it, the title? Does it really? Yeah. Where's it. the comma? It's Paint It Black. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. A lot of, when you see it a lot in, when people write about it, they just write Paint It Black, but on the album and on the other albums, it's on like the Hot Rocks and stuff like that. It's Paint It, Comma, Black. I know you love songs with punctuation. I there. do love, but I don't like songs with parentheses in them, usually. Wait a minute. No, it's okay. a different one. Different All right. I don't like songs with with parentheses where it's just like, it continue. It could be part of the title of the song. It's just in parentheses. Like, uh, what's that um, Elvis Costello? I don't want to wear, it's all in parentheses. I don't want to wear your red shoes. What's the name right. of the song? Angels. Angels want to wear, wear, wear my shoes. red shoes, but angels want to wear my is in parentheses. Why? I don't know why. That's what I don't like. Well, you could just call it red shoes. But it's not called red shoes. It's called angels want to wear my red shoes. But maybe it's, it's not really because maybe it's, it's in so parentheses. Give it an alternate title. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so on the 45 when they put it in the jukebox, it just says red shoes maybe. Perhaps. Perhaps. But then nobody will know what it is. Um, but then we get to the boy, right? Boy before the mirror checks his camouflage, which is also interesting because she's putting on a disguise. Right. So she won't get outed for who she really is. And he's putting on camouflage so that he kind of blends into the background. But it's not really camouflage. What no, we're no, no. The th whatever he's doing, he wants to camouflage himself. Right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And that, you know, a charger, the charger in the garage, a charger is a horse. Oh, see, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Okay. So it's a play, you know, there's the car, the charger, but then there's also a, a type of, I guess a, a group of horses called chargers that were used uh, in wartime but they're referring to his car they're referring to his car but they're also referring to the fact that he is like going to war in some ways polishes his armor right he's he's stealing himself up again for something he has to wear armor and he's he's got this battle horse now the music of this song it's got kind of a tribal kind of beat to yeah. it the drums are just amazing they are and they are. uh kind of adds to that i mean we're, we're talking about war paint we're not talking about actual war paint but right. It's got that, yeah, that tribal sort of vibe to it. Yeah, to definitely, me, which I think is cool. Yeah, because war paint uh, was what you would put on your face as you were going to war. You would you would literally disguise yourself or make yourself look like something else so that you could psych yourself up. Right, and I, I guess that's what these characters are doing. Yeah. Now, do you know uh, on the Rush tour, Jar for Presto, this was the point in the show where the rabbits. Came out of the hats. Oh God! I now, know. if you've never, if you didn't see Rush on the Presto tour, there were 
two giant top hats. <laughs> That's right. On each side of the stage. Were they inflatable top hats? I think so. Yeah. And then during this song, you'd see the top hats rise up. Yeah. And then you'd see two huge, giant, inflatable bunnies yeah. pop out of the top hats. Now, what yeah. this had to do with this song, I have no idea, but this yeah. was the song that the, the rabbits came out. It was a, a little incongruent kind of uh, visual yeah. there when it came with this song, and then there's, maybe this is the most uh, magical song of them all, right? Well, you would think, you know, they didn't play Presto on the Presto tour, but right. you would think that would be the song that the rabbits would pop out. You know, it's called Presto. Yeah. I don't I know. know. Maybe they order them, and then it's like, I gotta have to use them. I mean, yeah. they, they were like big inflatable... Yeah. Like like the kind of inflatable rats you might see it like a like a striking line in New York, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but it was fun, you know. Yeah, it was great. Rush always did goofy stuff on on the stage. Yeah. And that was one of the goofier things. Yeah. And toward the end one of my favorite uh um lines is uh boys and girls together mistake conceit for pride, ambition for illusion and dreams for self-delusion. I think that's very true. Yep. It might even be true as you get older as well. Yeah. Right? Because conceit for pride is, conceit is unearned pride, you know? Now, girls and boys together see what it is we lack. Is that just, you know, come to grips with, you know, the things that you, do, you yeah. don't have or? Yeah. Come to grips with those things and learn to live with them or change them. And then, um, you know, just get rid of that mirror. Just get rid of the mirror. Just be yourself. Yeah. The mirror that's going to lie to you. Because when you're looking at the mirror, you're trying to see what other people see when they see you. And that it may not be the healthiest thing in the world. But ultimately, you know, they're going to see the real you eventually, so you might as well just give it to them right off the bat. Right. This is a lesson in life, Jerry. It is a lesson in life. For all you life. teenagers out there who are Rush fans, just Don't look yourself. in the mirror. Don't look, yeah, don't ever look in the mirror. They're real mirrors. Don't even bother. If you're driving down the road, just crack that mirror. All Rush fans should paint their mirrors black. There you go. We should have a, a, a paint, it, paint the mirror black day. I see a mirror and I want to paint it black. Right. Paint it, comma, black. I paint it black. <laughs> I don't know why the comma is there. The comma, it doesn't make any sense for the comma to be there, but it's there. It's interesting. I just think they didn't know, you know, how to punctuate it because it changes the, the Are meaning. Are you saying Mick doesn't know punctuation? I'm saying that Mick does not know punctuation. Wow. Paint it black. Paint it black. That's quite an accusation. <laughs> you know, the Rolling Stones fans out there are going to be living. This is with the you. second time this week I was talking about Mick Jagger. Really? What was the first time? First time was uh, I was talking to somebody about when he ordered uh, pork roll at the TikTok diner. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that was a big story here a, in Jersey. It was a big story. And we were talking about why a ridiculous thing like that was a big story. And then we started talking about pork roll. Well, because it's Mick Jagger. Yeah, it's but, Mick Jagger. but the fact that it was about Taylor Ham versus pork roll. Oh, is that what it was about? It became that. Because one night he said pork roll and the other night he said Taylor Ham because he heard that. He said it wrong. Yeah, but he didn't say it wrong. All right, Jerry, so why don't we move on to track five on Presto. We're plowing through these songs. Are we? Yeah, Scars.
know what? Forget all those other songs. This is my favorite song this on the record. Gr- this, this is, is such a, a good song. song. I forgot yeah. about Scars. God. The yeah. drums are amazing. Alex's guitar is amazing. The bass. The bass line. I mean, it's just so perfect. It Perfectly is. blended. And talk about the tour. This song they played on the uh, Presto tour. Yeah. And it was just phenomenal live. Yeah. One of our Twitter listeners, Stuart, told me, he says, you guys have to talk more about the tours because I think he lives in um, the United Kingdom somewhere and Rush didn't come out oh. to his neck of the woods very often. So he likes to hear about the different things that they did on the tours. God, I don't yeah. know. I don't mean, you probably you have a better memory for those kind of things than I well, do. Well, Scars, they had a transparent screen in front of the stage and they had light beams shining through this transparent screen, kind of like they did with Vital Signs. Oh, okay. Like the, the thin lasers? Yeah. Okay. But they had a translucent screen that came in front of them, and they uh, projected these light beams through the screen, mm-hmm. which was cool. Yeah. I Sounds just remember cool. it being great. I don't remember that. Really? Yeah, I don't remember this. I mean- Do you remember seeing them play the song live? Yeah, I just don't remember a screen coming down. Okay. Well, you'll, you'll have to Google it. I'm sure- I'm going I'm sure to you, Google it. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Right. But for me, the songs that I like the most by Rush are usually, usually- the ones that I saw them do live. Oh yeah, uh, that yeah. Seeing a song live is can change your perception of it. Right, like we talked about a few weeks ago with yeah. losing it. Yeah, you know that wasn't one of my favorites until I saw them do it live, and now oh, yeah. the song is just so great. I mean, how many how many bands have we seen that we went in kind of tepid and came out fans? It's right, the, it's the best when that happens. It is, and this is just one of those songs that every time I hear the song, I think. I think of that show. Yeah. I mean, we saw them do it, I guess, three times on the Presto tour, and it was amazing. Do you think that they, it, toward the end of this song, it sounds a little bit like Red Lenses? I think this song would have fit perfectly on Grace Under Pressure. Yeah. Perfectly. This and Red Tide, I think, I think could just go right on that album and fit right in. Yeah. Especially this one, though, I think. that That's the other interesting thing. I, I think this album sounds the most like Grace Under Pressure, if I was going to compare it to another mm. album. Yeah. Like production-wise, too? The yeah. Whole, just the sound of it? It's not as dark as Grace Under Pressure. Maybe Red Tide a little bit, but but overall, I just think, the like you said, the sound quality, the, the sound of the album sounds similar yeah. to me. Although this, the guitars are much brighter on this album. You know, like on Chain Lightning, that's just that bright sound. Yeah, I, I guess on Grace Under Pressure, they're more like... They like wash over you. Like, yeah. You know, kind of like very yeah. open. The, and the, the guitar on this this song in particular is very atmospheric. You know, yeah. you get that. And, and Neil with the, the bells and the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. It is. And it's a, I mean, it's a great song. It's an interesting song too, because he's saying that, you know, both pleasure and pain leave scars on you. Yeah. And they can hurt, I'm assuming they hurt or they are aggravated by atmospheric pressure which of course would be the situation that you're in but those are actual scars the scars he's talking about is like a a pleasurable scar like for instance we were just talking about the rush show right right i mean whenever whenever i hear the song scars it brings back that pleasurable memory for me yeah it's like it's not a scar as in maybe scars of pain would be like that but a, a scar he's talking about it being just a mark that's left on you Right. That can be reactivated in, under certain conditions. So the song Scars left its mark on me. So Scars wow. is a scar. How about that? That's, wow. That's deep. That is deep. That's, Very deep. Yeah. 
but but I, I understand what he's saying. Or even music, you know, music can bring back memories or a smell can bring back a, yeah. a pleasurable memory or, or a bad memory. Yeah. Like if you get in a car accident and gasoline, sp- <laughs> seriously, and gasoline spills oh, I thought spills you were going to talk about our car accident again. No, no, no. <laughs> but if gasoline spills everywhere, let's say, every time you smell gasoline, you might think of that, that terrible accident you were in. Yeah. I mean, something like that is the reason why I can't have a bologna sandwich anymore. Do, should I ask? <laughs> when I was in grade school, when we were in grade school, the same school. Yeah. I had a, like, I was sick and I had a bologna sandwich for lunch and I got sick later on. Oh. And I have, haven't had a bologna sandwich since sixth grade. That's called a taste aversion, Jer. Is it really? It, that's exactly what it's called. And I have the same thing for peanut butter and jelly. I, wow. I can eat peanut butter. I can eat jelly, but I can't eat them together. Oh, that's we, like. It's weird, right? Yeah. If the smell, peanut butter and jelly has that smell. Yeah. When you put them together, it has that, that smell. I don't know what it is, but mm. it makes me sick. That's interesting. Could yeah. you eat like uh, a spoonful of peanut butter and immediately chase it with a spoonful of? I don't know. I never tried that. Because then you can have a peanut butter and jelly just, you know. Separately. Separately by a second or two. I'll have to try that. Chase later. it with some bread. <laughs> I'll try that and get back to you on the next podcast. Because <laughs> your stomach won't know the difference. So anything else on Scars, Jar? I mean, the, the lyrics are just, I mean, the, the lyrics on this whole album are amazing really yeah definitely he's very especially this song is very concise but there's also you know all my nerves are naked wires tender to the touch sometimes super sensitive but who can care too much that's amazing Uh, yeah i mean i'm just going to sigh at that i do think it's interesting the scars of pleasure part even though it doesn't mean like a scar like you just cut yourself it's just that it's an interesting way to describe uh, something that leaves its mark. It's on an you. imprint on you. Yeah, it's not necessarily a physical scar. It's not only that. But I'm thinking of scars. You know, you think of, you know, something that's painful, but it doesn't have to be. Right. Scars of pleasure. Right. I think it's an interesting turn on the on what a scar could be or what right. an impression you could, could be. You could get fingernail scratches on your back, Jer, and leave a scar. That could be a pleasurable memory for you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> I'm I'm neither confirming and nor denying that you have scars on your back. <laughs> I think we should move on to track six, Jer of Presto. Okay, which is uh, one of your favorite things, self-titled song from Presto. Yeah, that's right, Presto. If I could wave my magic wand. This is a very different type of song for Rush, don't you think? It is. And I love it. Yeah. It's definitely, um, God, how, how was I thinking about it? Sort of like, um, it's a very accessible song. Yeah. You know? like, like we were talking about with a few other songs. It's a song you could play for anybody and say, check this song out. And they'd say, oh, wow, that's a beautiful song. Right. I could, he- I could hear it on you know, a radio station that normally wouldn't play rock songs. But you never have. No, I don't really listen to radio, so. No, but this song was never played on the radio, I don't think. I, I wouldn't know. It could have been, though, I it, think. Yeah, it might have been. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if sitting 
I don't know, somewhere, a doctor's office, maybe. I would love to hear. Presto I know. At a doctor's I'm saying it's office. a it's a it's a it's a beautiful, soothing kind of song. Yeah, sounds great. It's got the acoustic guitars in it. Getty sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I could see it played anywhere. Absolutely. And I think it should be played everywhere. And what do you think the lyrics mean, Jar? Oh, that's a that's a hard one. I think I have a hard time reconciling the title Presto with most of the song. Because even though he starts it off, if I could wave my magic wand, I suppose it's a song just about wanting to correct things in his life in this person's life that have gone a little astray okay yeah no that makes sense he starts off i am made from the dust of stars and the oceans flow in my veins but here i here i hide in the heart of the city like a stranger coming out of the rain now he starts with like this grand these grand pronouncements like he's part of the cosmos right and then he immediately turns to slinking around in the rain yeah like like a stranger and I, i love the next verse too the evening plane rises up from the runway over constellations of light. Yeah. I look down into a million houses and wonder what you're doing tonight. Yeah, I think it, this is a, also a little story song about a, a relationship that's... That went awry? Yeah. And now he's uh, having second thoughts? Or she? Yes. Yeah, I think it's exactly right. He, I think he's, he's, uh, he left mm-hmm. or was forced to leave. And he say he has second thoughts about what he should do. So if, if he could wave his magic wand... And, and make everything and make right. everything good again. He yeah. would. Yeah. So, presto. That's the name of the song. Yeah. Yeah. Jim. I guess so. There you go. But I just love that. You know, after talking about being made of the dust of stars, he says over constellations of light. Just, I'm always impressed. His his lyrics are so good. Yeah. And I love the contrast of what a fool I was for you to what a fool I used to be. Just great. Yeah. I'm not one to believe in magic, but I sometimes have a second sight. I'm not one with a sense of proportion when my heart still changes overnight. That's what you were talking about, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about when I radiate more heat than light? What do you think that line means? Well, I mean, radiate more heat than light is like a, I don't know if you want to call it a colloquialism, but it means when your passions or your anger take over and you're giving more, you're not giving enough information, you know what I mean? You're just all heat and not light. You're just all anger and not understanding. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that's what he's talking about. He says, because I'm not one to believe in magic, though my memory has a second sight. I'm not one to go pointing my finger when I radiate more heat than light. Huh. Because he does this, I'm assuming that means he does the same thing. Yeah. He shouldn't be, he's pointing his finger at the other person saying that they are radiating more heat than light. And he shouldn't do that because he does the same thing. Wow. Yeah, this is... <laughs> just a great song. Just a great I song. I might just sigh. He says, don't ask me, I'm just improvising my illusion of careless flight. Wow. <laughs> so that's an illusion, right? Yeah. Obviously, he, you know, he says it. Well, he, the word illusion comes up a lot. Yeah. But he, and then he says, don't ask me, I'm just sympathizing my illusions, a harmless flight. Hmm. Changes it around a little bit. Yeah. He's just pretending to seem careless when he's actually got a lot on his mind Hmm. yeah neil we love neil we do love Neil. we do love neil and we love this album but we're finished with side one jer amazingly amazingly and it went quickly it went quickly but it didn't go quickly this is one of our longest podcasts i think so i hope people bear with us i hope so too and i'm glad you did you can follow us on twitter at rush fancast instagram the rush cast email jerry he loves your emails. I do. He reads them all the time. I do. Therushcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Rush Fancast. Yeah, I mean, people are listening. It's great. 
It's great. Yeah. I'm glad that what we're doing is enjoyable to people. Yeah. That's that's all there is to it. It is. So next time on the Rush Fancast, we'll wrap up Presto. We'll do side two. Mm-hmm. And until then, Jerry, you got a quote for me. I do. Oh, yes. You know, Tony is going to be really happy. He gave you a little crap for not having... He did. He did. Yeah. But in a, in a nice way. Sure. He's uh, He follows us on Twitter. I think he's Habs2112 or something like that. A lot of 2112s in people's A lot handles. of 2112s in the handles, and we love that. But Tony was busting your chops for not having, <laughs> not having the quotes ready. Right. So Tony will be happy. All right. What you got? If I could wave my magic wand, I'd set everybody free. Well, thank you. Mm, I'd do it, too. Take it easy. All right. See you. Thank you.